following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. It's time for another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. And here he is in studio with us, as he always is, on a Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. Looking great this morning. Here's well, Larry. Thank you, Chris. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. It's an exciting time to be with you, as it always is. There's always something coming out of your mouth that's extremely interesting. So I'm just waiting here waiting for it. <laughs> okay. So let her rip. <laughs> That's a pretty good way to put it. We'll we'll, we'll fill some airtime this morning. Then, how's that sound? Well, good great. morning, everybody, and welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. Here, I'd like to continue to welcome our longtime listeners in the D.C. Baltimore area, WAVA, one hundred five point one FM, as well as our new listeners on Sirius XM, channel one thirty one, the Family Talk Station, coast to coast and border to borders. You like to say, Chris, mm-hmm. nationwide. At 855-ROSE-123, that's 855-767-3123. So, Chris, one of the things that I wanted to talk about this week is is uh, Social Security. Social Security is, you know, without a doubt, it, it weighs heavy on everybody's minds once they start getting in their latter 50s, early 60s. How is it going to be? What's it going to look like? You know, are the, are the benefits secure? And, There's lots and of rumors out there, you know, that it might not be there for me, you know. There's always rumors about that. I don't believe that's the case. I think it's going to be there. I think it's just going to be a different form than it, that it could be today. You know, right now, we, we, we just, uh, several weeks ago, I just taught a seminar class on Social Security. And Social Security is, without a doubt, it's one of the largest financial decisions that people have to make in their retirement years. When to take it, how to claim it. Uh, you know, just different scenarios like that as it bakes into your financial plan. The fixing of Social Security is nothing more than a math problem. That's it. Right now, Social Security's funded fine through 2032. In 2033, it has to go under some changes. Whether those changes are a reduction in benefit, higher taxes, or a little bit of things along the way. You know, they can simply change the Social Security wage base. Right now, you pay your FICA tax on a certain amount of income up to about $132,000 a year, and then anything above that, you don't pay FICA tax on it. Mm-hmm. Well, they could raise that to 200000 and collect all that more tax revenue for Social Security. Yeah, but Larry, or I'm just they to could be look a, to reduce benefits. Just to be a devil's advocate here just a little bit, it would be great if they would do something initially. I mean, it, instead of putting it down, they've been kicking it down the road for such a long time now. I'm hoping that they're kind of waking up a little bit, and hopefully they'll start taking some action now. I hope so. The last time we saw anybody really talk about it was, was President Bush in his second term. Mm-hmm. You know, per, President Obama didn't really bring it up, and, and President Trump's in his first term right now. It's a big 
you know, subject, and nobody really wants to bring it up in their first term, I guess. And 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 think of it. Start thinking of it as in series of levers. Right now, you have all these different things. They can they can raise the retirement age. Uh, right now, it, it it was originally a sixty five, and it's migrated its way to sixty seven now, depending on the year that you're born. And and they could change it again to sixty eight for other people. They could raise the payroll tax. They could also look at 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 put at raising the ceiling, the Social Security wage wage base that I just talked about. They could look at taxing it more. They could look at doing uh, different types of uh, cost of living adjustments. They've already changed that a little bit from CPI to this thing called chained CPI. So there's, it's just a series of different levers that they can push and pull on to make adjustments happen down the road. But at some point down the road, it's going to have to take place. And 2032 is not that far down the road when you really stop and think about it. And it's it. too late to do it then, isn't it? Because then it's going to be painful. For a lot of people. Well, it will be a little bit more painful. But, you know, one of the issues, too, that, that the United States does not have a a revenue problem. We have a spending problem, and mm. that's that's part of the issue there. So when we sit down, what, what I want to bring to the table here this morning is when we sit down with our clients, we run through a Social Security analysis and teach them when they should be taking Social Security when and how to go about claiming it as we put that into their financial plan. You can go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and check out the video there. It'll show you how it integrates into the plan. It's, it's very important to really take a good look at it. And Social Security does provide a reasonable amount of income for people when when you're in retirement years. So, so it's not something to be taken lightly, and it is one of the largest financial decisions that you're going to have to make approaching retirement, when to take it, how to claim it uh, as, as things go on. There's also ways to lower taxation during retirement years so that not all of your Social Security or, or up to 85% of your Social Security check can be taxed. So depending on what tax bracket you fall into will determine the amount of taxation your Social Security check gets gets hit with. And so lots of planning goes involved with it. My, my point is this is Go to Social Security, uh, the website, ssa.gov. Again, it's ssa.gov. Register so you can pull up your benefits and see. Many, many people have not done this. I, I'm actually shocked that a lot of people haven't done this. And let's just send the word out there. Go to the website, ssa.gov. Put in your information, register, and then pull down your benefits and just start thinking to yourself, okay, well, here's my benefit. If I keep working the way I've been working, this is what they're saying I'm going to receive in my retirement years. How is that then going to play into your income and expense formula during your retirement years? So you owe it to yourself and your family to go ssa.gov, register, pull down your benefit there, and then you can start building a cash flow retirement plan scenario. Awesome. SSA.gov. I hadn't heard that before. I'm going to do that today. Yes, sir. Let's take a quick break here. We'll keep the phone lines open. Give us a ring with any of your financial planning or investment questions on any subject matter at all at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've heard oftentimes about asset allocation. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. We need to understand tax allocation. The IRS views our money through four different tax lenses. Taxable, tax deductible and deferred, non-deductible and deferred, tax exempt, or tax free. Stop for a moment and think. How much money have you saved up in your retirement plans, place the money's never been taxed? Here's the rule on that. 
You control 100%, but you only own 65% of it. We need to make sure that our income in retirement years is tax efficient to maintain your standard of living. Fox Business, CNBC, and Wall Street Journal contributor Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Well, you know, watching the stock market this last week, I felt like I'd been in King's Dominion on a few roller coasters, Larry. You know, it's kind of upsy-downsy. Well, yeah, that that happens, Chris. When Wall Street does not have clarity of direction, stocks move up and down, and so do bond prices, for that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of bonds, let's let's take a look at at some some broad categories of investments and talk about the primary purpose of them. You know, it, it used to be that there were stocks or equities, and then fixed income or bonds and cash. Three broad classifications, and then it's you know it's it's morphed into more asset classes. You've got large company stocks, small company, mid size. You've got micro cap stocks, um, mega cap stocks. Let's talk a little bit about bonds today, and 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 the purpose of them in someone's portfolio. Bonds can really play a hedge against volatility. Bonds offer stability, uh, even with rising interest rates involved or lowering interest rates, depending on what side of the bond street, quote-unquote, you're purchasing your bonds on. Broad categories of bonds, there's treasury securities, municipal bonds, and corporate bonds. And let's talk about corporate bonds first. They're, they're really the most popular out there, and that's buying a bond from a corporation. You know, corporations try to raise money two ways, either through offering of equity position or stock or ownership or through a bond-raising scenario. In a bond-raising scenario, functionally what you're going to be doing is you're going to be saying, okay, corporation, here I'm going to lend you money. Let's say you're going to lend them $10,000, and in return they're going to give you a bond. In other words, they're going to say, Chris, as long as I'm holding this money, I'm, I'm going to pay you back, let's say, 4% interest. Hmm. And between now and then, I'm going to make this interest payment to you. And at the end of the period of time when this bond is over with 5, 10, 30 years, whatever it may be, I'm going to give you back your principal. So functionally, you're just lending the corporation money to do that. Uh, so Plus so a percentage, the, right? You get a little bit of money on that. Right. Yeah, you're going to get four percent in that example, right? Just, so, just really curious. You've heard the stories of Grandma who hides the bonds in a, you know, a little cigarette box or a cigar box under the under the under the bed, and then ten years later, somebody finds it. And is this one of those scenarios where if you got that bond, you could be rich? I mean, you know. Well, I don't know if you're going to be rich, but yeah, you could definitely have that scenario. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, people will take these bonds and 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 do that and and put them in strong boxes or or wherever. And and, and trust me when I say, I've had some stories over the years from clients who found bonds from their parents or grandparents in 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 very unique and weird places. So, uh, but but uh, very interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, let's let's roll back here to to the purpose of bonds inside someone's portfolio. When you take a look at 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 you know balance in a portfolio, that's the role bonds are going to play. The primary investment objective of bonds is current income. Growth is secondary. And and when we look at bonds, corporate bonds as an example here this part of the discussion, we have different types of them. We have some corporate bonds are, 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 are rated very high and some corporate bonds are rated very low. The lower rated bonds 
Well, they pay a higher interest rate, and their principal value move up and down a little bit more so in the marketplace than, than a stable, highly rated bond. And they, they function a little differently, and there's nothing wrong with having highly rated bonds or lower rated bonds, junk bonds or non-investment grade bonds, because they, they act differently, and, and, they, dev- and they, derive a, they drive, I should say, excuse me, they drive a different purpose in the investment portfolio. Breaking it down, though, between equities, fixed income, and cash, the fixed income piece, bonds, is going to present some ballast for you in your portfolio. Hmm. That's the primary purpose of bonds. And, and you can look at government bonds, you know, federal bonds. You can look at state bonds, municipal bonds, or corporate bonds. And they all have high yielding and, and low yielding or, or stable or, or junk and, and anywhere in between on that on that bond spectrum. Do you hear the big companies like the like the Amazons and Microsofts of the world? Do they uh, actually give out bonds at any time? Um, there's not too many of those floating around, really. There, there, there are a lot of stock and stuff. I, I'm, I'm sure there are some. I'd have to look hmm. by, company by company to see what's out there. You some know, the you can call there. the bond desk and say, hey, I want this, that, and the other. But uh, hmm. if, if they're not offering or, or if they haven't. And you can also buy bonds in the secondary market. And that's where it gets a little tricky, Chris. Let's suppose that you bought a bond um, from, from XYZ Company. And you paid, let's say, $10,000 for this bond, and you bought it at 4% interest. And interest rates have gone up, mm-hmm. and you want to sell me that bond, you're going to have to sell it to me at a lower price because I can go to the bond store and buy another bond at a higher rate than what, you're pay- than what your bond's going to pay me. Mm-hmm. So you would sell it to me at a discount. Or on the other side, if the interest rates have gone down, then you can sell it to me at a premium and make a profit along the way. So bonds will act... Uh, in inversely to interest rates. As interest rates move up, bond prices will move down and vice versa. How do you find a company or a bond that would be attractive to your portfolio? How do you make those choices? So when, suppose somebody says, hey, you know, Larry, we, we want to have a good piece. We want to have, let's say, 35% of our money in bonds. And we would talk about ETFs, we would talk about mutual funds and individual bonds. And let's suppose somebody said, you know, I want to go with individual bonds. Well, very easily, we would just shop the bonds. We we would say, okay, you know, if today's, you know, preferred type or today's stable type, AAA rated, you know, today's investment quality bonds, I should say, are, are, are yielding, let's say, 3%. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they say, well, you know what? My, I want to, I'm hoping to get around five. Well, sure, that's fine, not a problem. So we would reshop it and say, you know, on on 35 percent of your portfolio's assets, we're going to put 17 percent into high quality bonds. We're going to put another 35 percent of it into medium quality bonds, and the rest of it into high yielding or junk bonds. And now you're going to get a blended rate of return of five percent. Oh wow! Okay, sure. So yes, yeah, so you can do that. You can mix and match that. And if you don't want to buy an, a mutual fund that's doing it for you, then you can certainly buy individual bonds there. But keep your eye on the ball here, Chris, when it comes to bonds or fixed income. The primary investment objective, again, is current income. Growth is secondary here, and they're meant to provide income and provide stability in a volatile type of a stock market. Uh, one, so one, I, guess, I guess I just don't understand how you would get money out of You have to sell that bond at some point a little later on. It's not like a CD, is it? So, so two scenarios here. Let's 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 sort of unpack that question a little bit. Because first of all, and, and I got you going down the road here. Bondholders are very confused. They don't understand how they work, and a lot of people don't understand how they work. So let's let's talk about 
putting money into an individual bond. Very simple. You you buy a bond, let's say for ten thousand dollars. You buy ten of them at a thousand or whatever it is. You got ten thousand dollars in into this scenario, and interest rates go up, and you decide to sell that bond. You will be subject to selling it at a loss because in, as interest rates move up, the bond prices move down. It has an inverse relationship to bonds, I mean to interest rates. On the other hand, let's suppose that bond matures in seven years. If you hold that bond to maturity, you'll sell it back at par, which is the $10,000 in this example. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to sell the bond before it matures, then you could be subject to market loss. But if you hold it to maturity, it will, it will return to you the par value of that bond. Whereas if you put money into a mutual fund that's made up of bonds and interest rates go up and you decide to cash out, you could lose money. On the other hand, if interest rates drop and you decide to cash out, you could make money. Whereas in an individual bond, if you buy it and interest rates go down and you sell it, you could make a profit on the, on the bond principle as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So when you're looking at but so, – so one of the neat things about bonds is – who really cares what's happening with your principal? Because what's the primary investment objective? Current income. So as long as you own that bond, that income's coming into you. And let, you can let the principal go up and down each month, each quarter, each year. The investment objective is current income. So you it's, get that income each month from a... You get that income every period, whether it's monthly, quarterly, whatever it may be, from that bond. I Regardless see. of the price of that bond, that that income is coming in. The bond's just moving up and down in the secondary market. It has no bearing on you until you decide to sell it. Got it. And so that's how you can get a predictable stream of income in retirement years from your investments. And people don't understand this, and they, and they hurt themselves all the time by not understanding how this actually works. And remember, there's two sides to the bond street. One side, one set of your bonds, as interest rates go up, the value goes down, and vice versa. The other side of the bond street, as interest rates go up, those bonds go up. So depending on what's happening with interest rates in the marketplace will determine which side of the bond street you buy your bonds on, your, your product of bonds. So you're really not keeping an eye on that. I mean, you are keeping an eye on when you're going to sell it down the road. But what you're really caring about is that percentage of monthly income or periodic income that you're getting from that bond. Exactly. What happens if somebody says, you know what, I want to I want to have uh, a, a stable, th you know, $12,000 a year. I want to have a stable $1,000 a month coming in to my bonds. Okay. And, and they say... And, and, and you say, okay, well, let's suppose we can get a series of bonds that give you a blend of 4%, then you need to stick in uh, $300,000 oh, into that portfolio, and now you're going to get a predictable stream of income of $1,000 a month, regardless of what's happening in the marketplace with interest rates. Mm -hmm. And when you go to cash them out, if you hold them to maturity, you'll get back the $300,000. Gotcha. Or you'll get back the par value, I should say, on the bond. And you've always had that income all the and way And you've along. always had yeah. that income all along the way. And then you do it again. So the trick here is what you do is you take that $300,000 in this example of, of principal, 
and you break it up, maybe in, in, into you know tranches of $25,000, and you buy that many different individual bonds. So maybe every six months you have a bond coming due so that you can take advantage of the new interest rate environment at that time. But won't you lose some of that principal if your bonds, uh, if the interest rates go up, and at the end of your, your bond, or you don't because you're always going to get that par value at the end? Is what you're That's saying. right, Chris. Now right. you got it. Okay. If you sell them before the the uh, bond matures, then you're subject to whatever the market's going to bring if interest rates have gone up or down. You could lose money. That's exactly correct. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Okay. That is exactly correct. That that's exactly right. So so the primary investment objective of bonds again is current income growth is secondary, and they provide a very nice stable value, stable position in your portfolio, especially with the markets moving up and down the way they have. In, in, in the last few weeks. So, hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. Go ahead and give us a ring. We'll keep the phone lines open here at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Again, 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more of your Making Money Sense. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? The question becomes, at some point, you can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show. You are listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Thanks for being with us. We really appreciate you listening. And let's get more from Larry right now. Larry. Chris, would you like to keep up with the Joneses or not? <laughs> well, the Joneses and I don't have a very good relationship. You know, He's always got something better than I always wanted. <laughs> Let me tell you about the top, top few questions that we get all the time. And they're very interesting and they're entertaining, too. One of them, and this isn't in any particular order, but one of them is, how do we compare to others? In other words, Larry, am I keeping up with the Joneses? You know, you know the neighborhood I live in or, or my, my, my zip code or, or my income levels, my occupation. How do I compare on the wealth meter with others? I know how I compare on the grass meter. My neighbors always have better grass than I do, and it's always very embarrassing. You know. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. You got to cut the lawn twice, Chris. Don't let it grow too long so that you have to you get all the uh the the clippings there. You got to yeah. cut it twice. Okay. That's well, the story. That's the secret there. So there's the But you know when it comes to financial planning and and retirement planning income, that's where I get this question a lot. Myself and a lot of our our advisors get this question, how do we compare with others? And, and we're really asking a question, they're really asking a question that they have no knowledge of because I don't know too many people that really share their personal financial situation with their friends. Do you? No. Yeah, it's very no, private. People say, yeah, we're doing okay, or, or man, we're struggling a little bit, or yeah, things are fine, right? But they really, they really don't get into the nitty-gritty details of it. And, and when I get that question, I, I, I say to people, I say, well, it doesn't matter, does it? I said, what we are in competition with, it's not your neighbors, it's not your family, it's not your friends. We're not trying to keep up with the Joneses, quote-unquote, and we're not trying to keep up with the markets. What we're trying to keep up with is your financial plan. You know, if your financial plan comes back and says, 
you need to earn 5% and everything's going to work out fine, why would you take the risk to try and get 11%? If your financial plan comes back and says, you know, you're on pace with what you're doing now, you are currently on pace to maintain your standard of living in retirement, then the question becomes, do you want to change anything? Because that's what you're in competition with. You're not in competition with your family, your friends, or the Joneses down the street, right? You're, you're, you're just not at all. That's one of the questions that we get off. And another question is, can we retire? Are we on pace to retire? And again, that's where you have to sort of draw a line and build the financial plan. And then the, a really big question that we get often is, where will our income come from? So in retirement years, there's several ways to derive income from your investments into your checking account each month. First of all, what's your Social Security going to be and do you have a pension? We have to stop and look at that to begin with. Next, we just talked about bonds a little while ago. What's the primary investment objective of bonds? Current income. So do you need to have money in bonds in order to get a specific amount of income that you want to bring to the table each month. Another way is dividends. How are dividends positioning in your stock or your equity portfolio? What is the dividend rate that you're receiving? Because when you receive a dividend, you're not selling shares. Those shares are kicking out an income to you. You don't want to sell shares in your retirement years, if at all possible. So how do we infuse income into your portfolio, into your checking account to live off of? Bond interest, dividends. Another way is through what's called a systematic withdrawal plan in in a mutual fund that's designed to give you both growth and income. And that way, you're pulling the same amount of money out of the mutual fund each, each month. Now, here you are selling shares. You're redeeming them each month. But the dividends and the capital gains that that mutual fund produces go right back in each quarter and rebuy more shares on your behalf. Another way to receive income in retirement years is just doing some simple covered call writing with options. Very, very simple right there. Very, very, you know, easy and not complicated, but simple. These are ways that you can infuse cash into your retirement, into your retirement checking yes. account because you need to have income in retirement years from a reliable, dependable source in the most tax-efficient manner. Another way is to look at the merits of an annuity as well. Three types of an annuity, variable, indexed, and fixed annuities. So, so there's different ways that you go about having money come into your portfolio in retirement years to set up. So those are some of the top questions that I get, Chris, is can we retire? How do we compare with others? And then where's our income going to come from? Well, I love the I love the the list that we just talked about, which was bonds, dividends, Social Security and pension annuities, um, and also options. But options always confuse the living daylights out of me. So I don't know. Can you, in five minutes or less, simplify those so people can understand how they could actually make those work for themselves? And you said covered bond calls, too, did you not? Covered calls. So, covered so calls, in yeah. the option environment, there's all different strategies, and 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 many of which I wouldn't even dream of of, of using. <laughs> there's there just no, there's no need for them. But to write a covered call is very very simple. Let's suppose you have 200 shares of XYZ stock, okay, and and, and let's suppose it's trading at fifty dollars a share, and you think that that stock, let's say, 12 months from now 
is going to be trading at, I don't know, $55 a share, okay? You can do what's called writing a covered call. In other words, you can sell somebody the the right to buy that stock back from you, say at $60 a share. So let's suppose you say, Larry, I think this stock's going to go up, but not too much. And I go, Chris, you're wrong. I think it's going to go way up. I think it's going to go to $65 a share, okay? And you say, well, I'll tell you what, Larry, I'll make a bet with you. I will, if, if you give me, let's say, $200, then I'll give you the right to buy this stock from me at $65 a share between now and the next 12 months. And I go, you're on. So, Chris, here's your $200. You get to keep that. And now the stock goes, let's say it goes to 57 so it doesn't make it to 65, but it makes it to 57, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you've given me the right to buy it from you at 65. I'm not going to buy it from you at 65 because it's only worth because it's only worth 57, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have actually infused $200 into your into your uh, account. So what you did was you gave me the right to buy this stock at a future date at a predetermined set price, and if the stock never hit that price, you get to keep the $200. But and you still own the stock. Now, suppose the stock would have gone to uh, 70, went from 50 to 70, way, way up. You would have had the appreciation from 50 to 65. Now the stock's sitting there at 70. I'm going to buy it from you for 65. So you kept the $200, plus you got the appreciation from 50 to 65. Hmm. Okay. So, so writing a covered call, writing means selling. Covered means you own it, okay, and then you get the $200, which is the premium. So it's very easy to do, which is just simply, it just simply puts cash into your portfolio. And if you're not emotionally tied to a stock, then it's a great thing to be doing, to, to really be looking at it if you understand it. But don't get all into the, all the different options, um, you know, uh, covered puts and, and just all this other risky stuff. You don't need that at all. This is very, very simple, and it's not hard to do. It's, it's, it's pretty easy to do when it, when it comes down to this. And it just gives you a little bit of extra cash into the portfolio, which you can use, right? And one of the beautiful things about this is you're allowed to do this in IRAs. So when you receive that money in the cash from the sale, of, from, from the option being placed, okay, mm-hmm. it's not taxable to you because it's being deferred into the IRA. If it was in a trust account or a non-IRA account, you'd have to pay taxes on it each year. Well, interesting. So if you have a, an options, your, your account or however it is it's set up, gives you the right to use options or work with options, then you could do that right within an IRA inside that account, huh? Yes. Awesome. That's exactly right. That is exactly right, Chris. Interesting stuff. Yep. Yep, so it's it's done all the time, and it's very, very simple. Where people get hurt in options is by doing all this other stuff. They do collars and spreads and all kinds of things that get very risky. I like to keep things very simple, very secure, very easy to understand when it, when it, when it, when it comes to everything uh, like, like that. You know, there's no guarantee in, in any types of investments at all, but, but this way you're just simply giving somebody the right to – to take the stock away from you at a predetermined set higher price and if it doesn't reach there you get to keep the premium or the cost that they that they paid you for that now you've talked about annuities before and you mentioned that as one of the income producing types of things you can have in your portfolio 
But as far as annuities, you can get burned on those as well if you're not careful, right? Well, you can get hurt in any investment at all. Sure. You know, the, the purpose of an annuity is, is, is to maximize guaranteed income for life takes away economic risk, market risk, that type of stuff. But if you're in the wrong annuity or if you're comparing an annuity against a different investment, you know, you're, 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 you're comparing apples and oranges. So mm-hmm. understand there, there's three broad categories. There, there's variable annuities, there's equity indexed annuities, and there are um, uh, fixed annuities. Uh, fixed annuities are very, very simple. They, they, today they're paying around 3 3.5%. The money grows tax-deferred. You stick it in there for a few years, and then you pull back out. It's almost like a tax-deferred uh, CD type, mm-hmm. type of mm-hmm. a scenario mm-hmm. there, okay? You know, that's not guaranteed by FDIC or anything like that. It's backed by the insurance company. Uh, an indexed annuity grows tax-deferred as well, and, and it's based off of um, uh, you know, a certain index, like maybe the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or, or, or international or something like that, where if the S&P goes up, you know, 10%, you get 8% of it. But if the S&P drops 10%, you get zero. You don't get anything. Ooh, okay. so, so there's a way, yeah, there's a way to protect from the downside, but they don't give you all the upside. Uh, then there's variable annuities, which have sub-accounts that act like mutual funds inside of them. They they're, have a little bit more fees, but they also have some guaranteed income riders, too. So pros and cons to them, you know, I was explaining to a client not too long ago about the differences in all the different investments, mutual funds, ETFs, ETNs, UITs, annuities, the whole nine yards. And, and it boiled down, they were looking at it going, well, there are really pros and cons to all of these. And, and, and one, one of them serves this way in an, in an investment, and another one serves that way in an investment. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I had a, a, a meeting this past week with a, a mutual fund company. They, they came out to the office, and, and we were sitting down talking, and, and, and I explained to them how we like you know, active management as well as passive management. And, and how from time to time we might be a little tactical in, in our rebalancing and things like that. And, you know, so, so, you know, we're throwing out a lot of Wall Street words here, Chris, and I don't want to confuse people and, or anything like that. But bottom line is this, is understand what your investment objectives are and know what you own. One of the first things when I'm making an investment is what has to take place for this thing to make it bad, Right. What mm-hmm. has to take place in the mm-hmm. economy for this thing to make it bad? What is what is the deal on that? Right. Because, you know, you, you want to know. I always want to uh, make a good investment. Right? Yeah, because everybody always talks about, oh, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be so good and blah, 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 blah. Well, <laughs> guess what? What's the other side of that? Yeah. What, you if, know? It, what and, if it is and, not? And, and it's the same thing with products. If I put money into an annuity, since you brought that up, or if I put money into a mutual fund, what about that product am I not going to like? Explain to me the cons of that product. What are the pros? What are the cons of it? And sit down and take a look at it. We personally believe in product diversification. I, I, I like different products for different clients for different times in their in their financial life and, and their risk tolerance and, and things of that nature. Uh, whereas I know other advisors that, that only put their clients into certain types of investment vehicles. And, and I, I just don't, I just, you know, I think that we should shop and, and, and look at what's best for the clients and, and find the, 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 the right solution for them at that particular time. Is there a, such a thing as investment saturation, meaning that you've got so many different tools and so many different things and so many different investments in your portfolio that they they're not going to make any money or you just got to spread out? Well, I would call things like that something called, instead of diversification, I'd call it diversification. Uh, 
where where you you might have money in different places, but behind the scenes it's invested in the same stuff. I got you. You know, you could have, and, and I see this a lot, people come in with 8, 10, 12, 15 different mutual funds and ETFs, and behind the scenes, 90% of their money is invested in the same spot. But they all have different names and from different companies, but you have to know what you own, understand what you own, D- you know, dive into to, to really taking a look at, 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 you know, lift up the hood and see what's in there <laughs> That's right. type of a scenario. So, <laughs> Hey, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123 if you'd like to join the discussion. It's open mic Saturday, any subject matter at all, estate planning, college funding, retirement planning, what's going on in the markets, the economy, 855-ROSE-123, that's 855 3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more of your Making Money Sense. another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show. Hey, let's shoot on over to Bowie and welcome Alicia on the line. Good morning, Alicia. How are you this morning? Hi, good morning. I'm great. Um, How can I help you? Yeah, so I have a question. You were just talking about recession. So I was wondering, how can um, someone prepare themselves financially to be able to um, weather through a recession? So weathering through a recession, and, and, and again, I wasn't talking like one's right around the corner by any means at all. Yeah. Right? Okay. Let's just get that uh-huh. out there first before I freak everybody out, okay? Right. So, <laughs> yeah, so, right. so it, it's sort of building blocks. You know, uh, it, when you understand how to, to build money properly, you know, well, let, let's go back to, to Scripture first and take a look at it. Proverbs fifteen sixteen says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. And that's where, you know, a lot of people will have money sort of managing them. We need to manage money. It's the Lord's, and we need to be in a good stewardship position with it. And the way that we address your question here, Alicia, is we need to make sure that we have an adequate amount of money saved up in the bank so that if there's an emergency or something like that, we can weather that type of a storm. As we're investing dollars and we see what's happening in the economy, which means we've got to learn how to read what's going on in the economy and the markets, or hire someone that can tell you and say, hey, this is what's happening in the markets and the economy. As you start to see data indicate there's a slowdown coming, there's a change coming, you're moving into a different time frame in the market cycle, that's when you need to start making decisions and say, you know what, we've had a nice run, let's take some off the table and weather the storm a little bit. So it's really it. reading the tea leaves. It's not an exact science. It's more of an art. You know, Wall Street, okay. a lot of people think three plus two is five, and that's really not the case. It's <laughs> it's three plus something gets us close to five because it's more of an art in reading the, the, the tea leaves of it all. So, you know, you, okay. look at, you look at leading economic indicators. You look at things like what we were talking about, interest rates, and you sort of lay them all out in okay. front of you and see what the report 
read, see what the theme of all these data points read, and there's there's tons of them, there's hundreds of them. And so, okay. you know, that's one of the things that we do with clients is we, we teach people how to read. As a matter of fact, I have a – I just thought of it. I have a report that I can send you out if you want. It's called Market Moving Indicators and Why Investors uh, um, Care. So it takes all the important data points and lists – not all of them, but many of them and lists them out as to giving you education on how to read the economy and why you would care about the different things, you know, housing starts, interest rates, wages, things mm-hmm. like that. If you like, I'd be happy oh, okay. to send that out to you. Yes, that would be wonderful. Please, yes. Absolutely. Let me go ahead and put you on, on hold, and we'll, and we'll send you out that report. Appreciate the phone call, Alicia. So let's shoot on over to Annandale and welcome, welcome Marilyn on the line. Good morning, Marilyn. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you. How can uh, I help I, you? My question is, at the age of 80, I have uh, savings, and I'm out of debt. I have no debts at all. Uh, I own one house that we rent out. And the, my son is a builder, and he is asking if I would loan the money to our company to build uh, some houses in this area uh, for sale for profit. And I'm asking the question, is that a wise investment for me at the age of 80? Well, it depends on, on what your goal is with this money. It's It's great to help your son. There's no doubt about it, and he's probably going to get – more favorable terms from you as far as interest goes than the bank. So, right, you know, does your son have a good track record? I'm sorry, go ahead. With uh, the savings that I've had all these years, it's just flat. So my question is, should I be like the bank for my son? So I don't, you know, <laughs> does your how long has your son been in business, and do you understand uh, the many, risk? Many years. He's built at least 20 houses and churches and things like that. Okay, so it sounds like he's he's got a good track record with all this, Marilyn. Do you understand the risk? If you lend him the money to, to build the home and the real estate market turns down and he's not able to sell it, then you could lose some dollars. Right. That's pretty much the risk there. So as long as you're confident in, in, in the time frame of him building the home, being able to sell it, then you should probably do well in that type of a scenario there. Mm-hmm. So, right. so that that's sort of the numbers that you have to take a look at. I don't know how much money you're talking about. I don't know if you were to lose it all, if it would if it would really upset your financial situation. So, so those are some of the scenarios, uh, so, some of the numbers that you really need to really sit down and take a look at it. But I understand it. You know, you're going to be able to get a better return on your money if it all works than what the bank's paying you. So, you know. I think as long as the numbers are there and you understand the risk, then why not go ahead and do it? Yes, okay. Very good. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Hey, you can visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and pick up some of the topics that we're talking about here this weekend, as well as take, take a look at all of our past radio shows. Just go on there and click on Radio Shows. You'll see a button that says Past Shows, so you can get lots of information there. We have people going to the website all the time, downloading our reports and and dialogue on, on from the radio show reports and things like that. And, and during the week, people will call or email uh, asking for information on some of the subject matters that we want. And we want to be able to be an educational source for everyone when it comes to proper financial planning. Hey, let's welcome Lynn on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Lynn. How are you this morning? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. How can I help you? I'm trying to 
get an understanding of the fixed index annuity process? Is, is that a good thought, uh, taking your, your retirement funds and putting them into one of those? And does it produce? I'm hearing that it, it can be great guaranteed amount. Yes, Lynn. So, so let's let's take a look at at the purpose of an annuity, whether it's a variable annuity, an indexed annuity, or a fixed indexed annuity, as you described. The purpose of an annuity, the primary investment objective, is to get guaranteed income. So it takes market risk out of the equation for you. So if that's what your primary goal is with a certain amount of your money, then an annuity is going to perform that the best. Now, there are advisors out there, financial advisors, that love to put their clients' money into annuities. There's financial advisors out there that hate to put their clients' money into annuities. And, and I'm in the middle. I, 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 when, when somebody needs to have a certain amount of guaranteed income or they want to take away market and economic risk, an annuity is going to help solve that issue. You just don't want to put too much in there. So, so you are correct in that that's what will happen now. You have to sort of drill down and take a look at the different kinds of annuities. Some annuities are going to have fees. Some annuities are not going to have fees. Some annuities are going to give you lots of upside potential growth, whereas some annuities are going to cap your upside potential growth. Some annuities will give you lots of downside protection. Some annuities will give you a better income stream than others. So you really need to shop around and take a look at the different types of offerings that annuities will bring to the table. So I don't know how many different annuities you've looked at or if you've examined the, the pros and cons of, of each one of them. You know, well, you're not going to be able to do each one because there's hundreds. But, but make sure that the person you're working with has a good understanding of what your goals are and can direct you to three or four different ones to take a good look at. Thank you for that information. So some of the, yeah, absolutely, Lynn, some of the questions that you want to be asking is what's the liquidity on the annuity? What are the rates? How long is the money going to be tied up in there? And what happens if you become incapacitated or you pass? Can your heirs receive these dollars? So if you want, I have some information. I have an annuity kit that can give you some, some guidelines on some of these questions to ask to help get you some education if you'd like. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Kevin on the line from Nashville. Good morning, Kevin. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? So I've got about $150,000 I'm looking to invest in some uh, low-risk investment, and I'm gonna keep, I want to keep it in there about a, one to two years. Just wanted to see what you would recommend with the uh, – recent market conditions so kevin if you want to if you want to if your time frame's a couple of years and you want it to be liquid and you want your principal principal to be pretty stable obviously principal guarantees and stability talks about bank products the problem there is that the banks aren't paying that that high of an interest rate right so so the question becomes is there a place where i can move my money out of the bank and get a little bit higher interest rate and keep my principal as steady as possible? And the answer is yes. There are bond funds out there that do well when interest rates are rising. And on the other side, there's also bond funds that don't do well when interest rates are rising. So you want to make sure that you look into what's called a floating rate or a bank loan bond fund. It's completely liquid in today, out tomorrow. 
the I was looking at one earlier this 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 week with a client. The price stability is very stable, and they tend to go up in value when interest rates are rising. And currently, they're paying a little over four percent interest. That would be the place that I would suggest would be an alternative to a bank product for the next couple of years. As long as interest rates continue to be pushing up, that'd be the space that you would want to be in. Okay. So, so it's a, it's a good. yep, it's a mutual fund that way. And if you want, we'll send you out some info on it. I'll put you on hold. And I appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. Let's welcome Catherine on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Catherine. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Um, yes, my question is: I'm a pretty new um, federal employee, and I've been. Um, just befuddled by all the the TSP and should I roll over my 401k? I I know all the acronyms for the 401k, 403b, all that, but now I'm into a new world and not sure what I should be doing with um, my investments. So you just started with the government in the TSP and you want to know if you should roll your old plans into the TSP? Yes. So the TSP will allow for that to happen. And for those of you that aren't familiar with what the TSP, it's the it's for federal employees. It's called the Thrift Savings Plan. It's the same equivalent as uh, a 401K plan in the private sector. So you, the TSP, Catherine, will allow for you to roll money in. However, you have to ask the question, do you want to do that? Because the TSP, is it, uh, it's very low expenses, which is very good. But it's very limited as to the breadth of your investment choices. It has five positions in it. It has the CGFS and I funds. Um, so it doesn't have stuff like like uh, emerging markets, or it doesn't have international small company stocks, or it doesn't have technology or biotech. It's just got broad-based indexes like the S&P 500 or small company stocks and things of that nature. So you have an opportunity with your old employer plans to keep them there, cash them out, roll them to the new TSP for yourself, or roll them to an IRA. In your case, you might want to explore rolling it to an IRA because... In the TSP, again, you're limited by the investment choices. So you would select probably the best three or four investment choices out of the five that's in the TSP. And then with your old employer plans, you can roll that to an IRA and invest around what you're putting into the TSP. So you can have a much greater broad base of investment choices for yourself. That's probably the way that I would I would take a look at it. However, the TSP will allow you to put money in from an old old rollover if you did choose but you have an opportunity here to to get the best of both worlds in your scenario okay so i was just about to ask um should i even bother with the tsp because i do have more flexibility with the old plan even though my employer is not matching um but then i if i stay with if i do do a new fund at least the government will be matching so you're basically saying do both Yes. Now, I want you to put in the money into the TSP because as a, as a FERS, Federal Employee Retirement System person, you're going to get a 5% match. You, you you need to put in at least 5% because that's oh, 100% yeah. interest on your money. Correct. Yeah. So so do that. Your old employer is not going to match because you're not working right. there anymore. The right. money's just sitting there dormant going up and down based off of whatever investment choices are there. So that's how I would sort of allocate it out. 
Mm-hmm. If, if you like, I'll send you out some info that, that sort of depicts it all and, and shows you the, 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 the four things that you can do and how you can diversify in, in coordination with the TSP and your old 401k plan. Oh, fantastic. Sure. Let me Thank put you, you on hold, Catherine, and we'll have someone reach out to you next week and get that information to you. Appreciate That's- the phone call. Let's move on over to the district and welcome Teresa on the line. Good morning, Teresa. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Sure. How can I'm I help so- you? So I'm working as a 1099 employee. This is the first time I've ever experienced this, and I'm really not sure how to proceed with um, setting money aside for retirement purposes and, of course, to to help offset um, my tax requirements. So I was hoping maybe you could make some recommendations on where I should start uh, putting my money in an IRA or something like that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so, so how long have you been a 1099 employee? Has it just been for this year so far? Yes, it's been just for this year. So, you need to make you. Do you have your 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 business account set up and everything? I do have a business account, um, but I work through a company. So the company, um, so I work through a company, and the company hired me as a ten ninety nine. So um, I set up my own separate LLC, hoping that the company could pay my LLC directly. And they said they can't do that, so they just pay me directly, Teresa, um, as a 1099 employee. But I do have an LLC set up separately. So um, when you get when you yeah when you when you get your pay from this company, you can move it into the LLC. Now there's certain rules that you need to talk to a CPA about on how much you can move in, uh, because you don't okay. want to avoid the the uh, uh, FICA tax issues. So so there's right. a certain amount that you could move in there, but the bottom line to your question is you need to set aside enough for taxes out of each paycheck you receive, and you need to also set aside money to pay yourself. One of the right. challenges that self-employed business owners um, have all the time is they keep putting money back into their business to make to make it grow. They've got overhead, employee costs, technology costs, all that kind of stuff, and they neglect over time to, to pay themselves. That's one of the bills right. that you need to pay, you know, tithe, pay yourself next, pay taxes, then let Visa and MasterCard fight over what's left, basically. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> um, you can set yourself up an automatic bank draft out of your checking account where a mutual okay. fund company can, can draft money each month, whether it's $50, $500, whatever it may be per month, right out of your checking account, right into an IRA, and that will start you established, you know, a tax-deferred savings plan for yourself right right now, right on down the road. It's very easy to do. Okay. Hey, you've been listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, and look at that clock, Larry. It's uh, just about time for us to say goodbye again this week. It is, Chris. Well, hey, uh, appreciate it. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. And if you have any questions during the week, feel free to go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Like us and follow us on Facebook. We'll send you out some information. Or if you hear some subjects, if you heard some subjects today that you want want some information on, feel free to give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, and we'll send you out that information. So, again, we'll be back next Saturday with the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense.
If your family depends on